All right, everybody, welcome to the 301st edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, ready to uh, our boards. This is the first time that we've actually shared the boards with anybody. I have no idea where any of uh, Dustin is ranking any of the players. I assume my, my favorite is relatively low or not on the board at all. So this is going to be a very fun, uh, fun podcast. I'm very excited about it. And 301 is really impressive. Before we kick it off, give me one to two names that didn't make your board that would probably be in the general consensus. Mark Williams, for sure. Mark Williams did not make my board as well. I know everyone is enamored with the, I think it's like the nine foot nine standing reach. I think he's got measurables, you know, through the roof. But as we've seen in the playoffs, centers who can only play drop coverage and centers that really don't have mobile feet to boot uh, just aren't super valuable. So when I see him in the the late lottery, um, that's a red flag for me. I think there's so much more value at the center position uh, later on in the draft. And, you know, I think you've got some centers. I probably got more centers uh, ahead of him as well. Uh, so yeah, he he definitely didn't make my board. Give me one other name that didn't make your list, Sage. You know, like I put Ty Ty Washington at twenty five, but I don't really believe it. He could have been thirty, but it was just one of those things. Like, damn, he he's probably going to go before I actually would take him. So I put him at twenty five, just as like a you did a good job, Ty Ty. Here's. Here's your place on the list. You're not honorable mention. You're actually on the list. Is Ty Ty on yours? Or do no, you have any point guards? I have one. Um, Ty Ty is, is 28th on mine. So yeah, he didn't make my board. I'm a little concerned about the lack of athleticism and the long range shot. They compare him to Andre Miller and I'm like, oh, that's great. But it's not 2010 anymore. I don't know if Andre Miller thrives in today's NBA uh, and two other sh- one and done shooting guards that are probably going to go higher than 25 or around 25. Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska. Blake Wesley from Notre Dame uh, didn't quite make the cut. I think oh, they, they weren't even close. I didn't even think of them. They 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 just need a little bit too much uh, refinement in their game. And again, this class is loaded with twos and threes that you, you just you don't need to spend that first round pick on players that are two, three years away. So yeah. with, with all of that said. Um, let's kick it off at number 25. I think we both have point guards at 25. Um, I'll let you take the lead here. Who's your 25th player on your board? I have Ty Ty Washington. Um, I I think that with him in the placement of my board, I just have no interest in him because there's a logical spot for Ty Ty to fall. And 25 really isn't the, the spot for him. I've seen him at as high as the Knicks pick and, in the mid twenties, me having him at 25, it it's, it just says that I don't want him on my team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I watched, you know, a, a bit of Ty Ty and the team did struggle when he was not on the floor. And that is a good sign of a point guard. However, I got sucked into that in 2012. I was all aboard. I liked Dame, but I also really loved Kendall, Kendall? Marshall. Yeah, I love Kendall. And, Kendall Marshall was the same type of player that was a little bit slower, didn't have a great jump shot, but the team really needed him on the floor. Again, it's just, you have to be able to shoot in today's So today's NBA. So yeah, I can see him being 25. I'm not in love with my 25th player as well. Another point guard 
from the SEC. It's Tennessee's Kennedy Chandler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I, I have him ranked a little bit higher than Washington because of the the explosiveness and the, the quickness that he can have. And he has really high defensive potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Washington, he needs to work on that jump shot for sure. But if you're at least able to be a defender, there's going to be a spot for you in this league. Uh, so, And we, we, we've seen it. Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year the first time since Gary Payton. These point-of-attack defenders are going to start to be a high commodity. So I could see a team rolling the dice on Kennedy Chandler uh, at 25. Um, but moving on, who do you have at 24? I have someone I don't think you like at all, but it, he's Jaden Hardy from the G League Ignite. With this draft, man, there's no real ball handlers. The fact that he can actually get downhill and use his dribbling craft to get to spots that others can't, I think that that's worthy of the 24th pick. And then, you know, he is a he is a questionable shooter, but like everything about him in his priors is that he's a dead eye. So maybe with NBA spacing, because G League Ignite was so trash at spacing. Maybe he can actually show that he can shoot it. Yeah, uh, I have him, I believe, at 29. So we're not too far off there. I didn't, to be to be honest, I didn't watch a whole lot of Hardy. I really only saw him when we were scouting Dyson Daniels, and mm. uh, he didn't jump off the page at me. But yeah, I've seen people having him as high as seven on their board. Yeah, uh, I know he was a big time recruit, and that that could pan out. But I agree, I, I wouldn't take him uh, very high in the draft again. A player that that I think has a lot of things that make you go wow, but also a, a lot of a lot of refinement again needed in his game uh, at 24. I have a bit of a late riser. Someone we recently covered in this draft is Santa Clara's Jalen Williams, uh-huh. uh, a really good big guard. Um, as I mentioned on our future Friday, I like him as a big two rather than a small three. I think he can become an elite type of role player that just has a really high basketball IQ. I don't think you're going to ask him to uh, run offense. I don't think you're going to ask him to uh, score in the isolation. I think he's going to be a knockdown shooter. I think he's just going to be an extra pass type of guy. And he has shown the ability to run a little bit of pick and roll and make some some nice passes there. Um, I think he's definitely moved himself up in the first round. And if you're if you're a team that needs help right away, I think you're going to look at uh, Santa Clara's Jalen Williams. I think he, he can max out as that secondary pick and roll threat. That's why I have him a lot higher. This one I feel kind of bad about because I've talked about how good he is. Number 23? Yeah, number 23 is Ryan Rollins. Wow, I like Ryan Rollins a lot more than you do. I know. I feel bad. Honestly, like, he could be so much higher. I I, I don't know what I was thinking when I made this board. Like, I could, be, I could make an argument that he's like 18. I really could. But uh, in this board where I already feel bad about my uh, picks – Ryan Rollins. <laughs> Three picks in and you're already doubting yourself. I, I love it. Uh, at, at 23, I had another player that we recently scouted, and uh, I believe it's the top international prospect on the list is Nikola Jovic. Um, I, I really like the ability that he has at 18 years old to shoot the ball uh, extremely well. Clearly, he's, he's going to need some time to, to get better defensively. He's never going to be able to stop somebody on an island uh, on the perimeter. It's going to be uh, a challenge, especially early on, but he has great length. He can play the passing lanes. He just has to get that aspect down. But 
you know, I, I think there is something to those Danilo Gallinari comparisons and Gallo had a, a really solid career. And if you can put him in a situation where you're able to grow, grow with him and surround him with good defenders, you can hide him a bit. Like he, you can't put him on a bad defensive team. It's just only going to get worse, but you can hide him a little bit. Uh, look at a guy like uh, Bielinsa for, for the Warriors. Like he's able to fit on that team because they've got a solid core. So if there's a team that is looking for a stretch big that can really knock it down, you know, I, I really like this kid. And what I said uh, when we scouted him, he's only 18. So there's so much more room for him to grow. He's playing against grown men right now. Uh, and we've seen so much success from the foreign born players in the NBA. So I would gladly take if If there's a team in the twenties that, that wants to take a flyer on this guy, I think that would be um, a home run. If you're able just to, just to be patient with him. After my buyer's remorse with Ryan Rollins at 23, I'm going to somebody that I think you don't like that I do. And that's Patrick Baldwin at 22. Um, I, I think that the the last year of his uh, college career was the worst possible situation that he could possibly be in. He's more, way more skilled than what he showed at uh, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, correct? Yes, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I mean, he it, Johnny Davis would love to have Pat Baldwin <laughs> at the real Wisconsin, but yes. I think if you're a team with multiple first round picks and you can afford to take a miss, he might be worth taking a flyer on. If you, if you believe in, in, in the skill set. I think if you're a team with one first round pick, uh, I would be hesitant to put all my chips in on, on a player like Pat Baldwin. Uh, but you know, he's not my favorite prospect, but I can understand why some people would want to roll the dice there. You I mean, you can't teach size. And if you can get him on a team, that has gravity that can pull away from him and just let him kind of be that fourth or fifth player. Uh, you might see some good results. Uh, at 22, one of my favorite prospects in the class is Christian Coloco from mm. Arizona, uh, the PAC 12 defensive player of the year, the PAC 12 most improved player of the year uh, averaged about three blocks for uh, the Wildcats. And what I love about him, and he's going to fall in this draft, he could be there at 36 for the Blazers, but why I have him at 22 is the improvement that he made under Tommy Lloyd. Sean Miller could not get through to him. Sean Miller could not get through to Benedict Matherin or Dalen Terry. Like it was just not a good situation for the Wildcats. Tommy Lloyd comes in from Gonzaga as an assistant under Mark Few coaches these players up champions for them, you know, really good, positive reinforcement. And you saw the, this wildcat team, they weren't even projected to go top 25 and they were number one uh, seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Coloco is a really good big who is going to run to the rim. He's going to block shots on the weak side. I don't know if he's going to be able to blitz, but I think he can hold his own on occasion on the perimeter and he's got nimble feet and a great wingspan. So if he does drop, he can challenge that shot. Um, I, I think he's fantastic value for any team that wants to pick him. I know his age is going to scare off some teams, but, uh, just from the jump that I saw from this year, I think there's more left in the tank, uh, for, for Coloco. And if there's a center, and this is why Mark Williams was not on my board, uh, because I think you can get much better value. I think Coloco is a better player, but the value just increases, uh, in my eyes when it comes to Coloco. They're just two different athletes like 
I think Coloco can actually defend on the perimeter. You're not going to, you are not going to risk Mark Williams blitzing anybody in the perimeter. It's almost certainly all drop coverage and you're hoping to God, he doesn't jump. So I I like the Christian uh, place on your board. He isn't on mine because I think I just went hella wing heavy. Yeah. Um, Going from one wildcat to another. And I think that, I have undervalued both of the guards that we talked about in our gem series, but I have Dale and Terry at 21. And I still think I'm higher than some scouts at 21. So, um, I mean, he's just, he's the the type of guy that everybody's looking for the Herb Jones. I think that Dale and Terry is the closest thing to Herbert in this draft with the defensive acumen and the playmaking. Like he's not going to be your number one guy, but he's going to be a secondary tertiary guy that can make things happen for your offense and be a great defender. So Dale and Terry at 21. Yeah. I, I love that pick. I'm even higher on oh, yeah. Terry. I, I have a feeling he's like mid lottery for you. <laughs> he's he's super high. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a better career than Benedict Matherin, who I also am very high on. So uh, that's how much I, I believe in, in Terry at 21. I'm, I'm going back to back big men. Uh, it's Walker Kessler from, from Auburn. Um, a player who, again, is slipping on these mock drafts, and I don't know why. You're looking at a sophomore player who transferred from North Carolina, goes and plays for Bruce Pearl alongside Jabari Smith, and just flourishes. Led the NCAA in blocks, damn near at five blocks per game. Uh, just an absolute menace. Doesn't move quite as well as Coloco, but instinct-wise, he's one of the best collegiate shot blockers I, I have seen um, if he's available in the second round, I mean, that that's a solid backup center that, that you have right there. So any team that wants a, a good big who can, I mean, again, he's just a, an impeccable rim protector. And I saw flashes of three point range. The windup takes a bit, but again, 19 years old, that can be fixed. And he's also not going to be playing with some of the worst guard play in, in NCAA uh, which he did at Auburn. You get him with some good guards, you run some pick and pop. I-, I could see him evolving into what Brooke Lopez is doing right now for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And Brooke Lopez was an integral piece to their championship puzzle uh, last year. So uh, again, I'm not sure why he's he's slipping a bit, but he is. And that's why he's up on my board because I see a lot of value uh, in a player like Kessler. It. I think that he's a very good player. I think that he's a very good player. Um, he's not on my board, but I, I kind of valued wings higher than a uh, center because there's a lot of value in that second round for centers. I have Jalen Williams from Santa Clara here at 20. I think I think I believe in his playmaking in terms of pick and roll. Uh, a little higher than you. That's why I value him a little bit higher. So him at 20, uh, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I really like what he's doing. And then I've seen some people love him so much that he's like mid lottery. So I, I, I feel pretty safe with that 20 pick for Jalen. Yeah. I think that's probably the, the ceiling that I would have him at. Um, you know, he, he could turn out and be a Jimmy Butler type of player, but those players are, are so rare where they're not able to they're able to perform without being exceptional athletes so uh it, it could happen you know there jimmy butler was a late riser as well and he continued to improve uh during his, his nba tenure he's like 
this may seem mean, but he's like a low budget Luca. Like they both aren't the greatest athletes, but they use craft to get to the places that they want to go. And yeah, so anytime you're like compared to Luca, it's a good thing, I think. But at 20, I have a player who decided to return for his senior season uh, and lead his Kansas Jayhawks to a national championship, Ochai Abaji. He had games where he looked like a surefire lottery pick, and then he had games where he was putting up five, six points and completely um, taken out of the game. Uh, I think he's a fantastic catch-and-shoot threat. I think he's a smart basketball player. He's going to come in. He's ready to plug and play. Uh, Like Jalen Williams, I think if you're a team that that needs somebody to – be a seventh, eighth, ninth man right away. He is going to do that. Put him alongside another guard. He's got good size on the wing uh, that can just drive and kick. Maybe a big like a Jokic or an Embiid that can draw attention inside mm-hmm. and kick it out. Um, I think that's where he's going to make his living. I think he's going to be a dynamite three and D player, but I wouldn't project him uh, to do much more than that. Just because of there, there were games where he was completely uh, invisible, and it was because he just doesn't possess the lack of one-on-one isolation basketball skills. But again, three and D players are never going to go out of flavor. If you can get them in, in the middle of the first round, uh, I say, by all means, go ahead. Even if you have to reach to do so. So he's 20th on my board. Yeah. I I think his biggest swing skills, absolutely his playmaking and, and creating for himself and others like him and Christian Braun relied on those point guards to set them up for, scoring opportunities they aren't creating anything out of uh out of the air for either of them so uh i have ochai quite a bit higher but i i see where you're coming from so we are at 19 i i just threw him in here i, I you were the one who really scouted nikolai um i just put him in Jovic. here we, yeah i i have nikolai jovic, jovic at 19 because he has all the potential of being a good player. He he's he's tall and ha- has has a, a skill set, but I, I I felt like my board needed to have him. But I I don't know as much as you about about the prospect, so I just put him at nineteen. I mean, I, I think he's a surefire first round pick. I mean, he has an M- he has two NBA skill sets right now. He can shoot the shit out of the basketball, and he's six ten. Yeah, there's those are two things you you can't really teach like he, height and, and shooting. It's really hard to become a great shooter. And again, he's got handling ability. Like I think he's going to be able to grab and go. I think he's going to be able to be a secondary playmaker once he grows into his frame. And again, I just really value those players playing in those grown men leagues coming over to the NBA. Like they're professionals over there. They're coming over. They're not being. You know, there's no NCA, whether it's, you know, NCA provides some wonderful things, but it also is not a professional experience, even though they are somewhat now being paid like professionals. Like you have to go to class, you know, you've got college students, you got, you have a college life. Like mm-hmm. when you're overseas, th- that's your job. This like, is your shit, you, yeah. yeah. You bring your lunch pail to work, you, you know, you clock in, you clock out and you're expected to play with a, a standard. Like that's just, that's what it is. You get, you get a salary and like I, there's just been too many players that have came over that have succeeded for me not to believe that that's what he's going to do. Um, whatever they're doing uh, overseas is it, working and it's translating. So I think it's a really great investment for a franchise to, to take Jovic. 
Uh, at 19, I have your boy, AJ Griffin from Duke. I think he is probably the best catch and shoot shooter in this draft. Easily. There are questions that I have that, and I have him one spot ahead of Abaji because of the age. Abaji's a senior. Griffin's a like 18 years old. There are, there is, there, there's a likelihood he develops into more of an offensive threat um, at, at, at the collegiate level. Duke didn't really have a point guard. Uh, they tried Wendell Moore. They tried Jeremy Roach. They tried initiating it with Ben Caro. Uh, the spacing on Duke kind of got muddled a bit. And so there were times when AJ Griffin just wouldn't touch the ball. He does have another thing that you can't teach is that he's strong. He's physically strong. He's, he's going to play bully ball. Uh, what I do worry about is his inability to get separation. And he was a tough shot maker at the collegiate level. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily translate. Sometimes it can like, Oh, you just know how to get your shot off. Or there's going to be times where you're just not, you're going to get clamped. He did show some ability to kind of do that side step back um, on on the three. So he does have some non catch and shoot shooting ability that that I uh, have witnessed but the one thing that I, there's two things that really concern me and that don't have him higher on my board. The first thing is it's hard to argue with, with the numbers on his shooting because they were so magnificent, but the shot does feel a little slow and mechanical. So if he can speed that up a bit, he tends to drop it down a bit uh, on his stomach before he, he launches. And I think he may need to just refine that a bit. And secondly, the, the defense, the, the defense needs to become stronger um, there was the game against Wake Forest where Jake LaRavia was able just to kind of isolate him and, and go right at him, plays with heavy feet. But again, if you believe that he can get quicker, that he can get more laterally uh, quick, um, by all means, have him higher on his board. The, the injury history does scare me off a bit. So I would love AJ if he was more in the top 20. The, the top 10 kind of scares me off a bit because I like the prospects more, but that's where I have AJ. So. Should I talk about AJ now or should I wait till five to talk about AJ? All right. Well, you, you mentioned his shooting. I, I have plenty of AJ thoughts, but I looked at his advanced stats. He's a 99th percentile scorer in the half court, 98th percentile in offensive possessions, 97th on jumpers, 96th on threes, 95th on catch and shoots. <laughs> on drives, he's 95th. On catch and shoots, he's 93rd. He's kind of shitty at 89th percentile at catch and shoot guarded and 88th around the basket. So having all those statistics, I think that his shoot, I think he's the best shooter. He's the best freshman shooter in a long time. So I value that. Um, You mentioned, I, I think one of his biggest problems is that on his drives, he has a lot of wasted movement, and I, I he's a very upright athlete. So I think that I looked at Luca early. Luca, his shins were just like AJ's, and as NBA development and building up your body happens, his shin angles got so much better. So if what happens to Luca? What happens to James Harden? What happened to Paul George? Happens to AJ Griffin with how he is able to step and be quicker. I think that the sky's the limit. Obviously, I have him at five. So I, I, I mean, 
and we're talking about his shooting like his base looks aesthetically he looks bad he looks boxy he also i think aj griffin is the difference between your scouting and my scouting like this is the guy that is so rare because of all of the things he has where it's like you have you 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 want somebody that is a you want him to be Benedict Mather. I think it's okay that he isn't he he's still very rough because that shooting is so good. And like I watched him shoot. He's like Baysmore. He has so many bad things with his shot, the base, the release, how he holds the ball but he's still a 99th percentile shooter. So if we can fix some of the stuff that's fixable, I'm taking the low, low hanging fruit of AJ Griffin at five. All right. You have it at 18. <laughs> I might be a little low on this. Cause I, I haven't heard his name yet, but Jalen Williams from Arkansas, I have him at 18. I, th- I mean, like he has such rare abilities for a big man. I mean, him being at 50, 55 just seems wrong. It's ridiculous. So I'm taking the stand and I'm having him at 18. I, I, I don't see him being better, better than a Liddell. So he, he's below the Liddell line, but he's still very, very, very good. Yeah, he is supremely underrated. And I think anybody watching successful teams know you have to have role players that are capable of defending and rebounding and even, even shooting, which he has has shown. He's just... He's the complete role player package. And I think teams are mistaking a high floor for somebody that's not going to, you know, give them anything. So yeah. Uh, high floor doesn't mean you're have a low ceiling. High floor no, means you're going to be good. You're safe. There yeah. is some, there is something okay with taking a safe pick in the middle of the first round, because Lord knows you try to swing for these home runs on players that have a one to 5% chance of hitting when that, that, those I, I would the, much those rather the, have. Yeah, uh, those aren't the players to to take your swings on. Um, Caleb Williams or Blake uh, Blake Wesley or Bryce McGowan's like it's not even a thought. At eighteen, I have Ryan Rollins from Toledo. I think he's one of the best ball handlers, score mm-hmm. pure scores in in this draft class. I compared him to a young CJ McCollum, uh, and he's two years younger than, than when CJ came out. Um, of the draft in 2013. Um, as, as you can see with, with CJ leading the, the Pelicans resurgence, I, I don't like Rollins at the two. I think if you can just put him as the lead ball handler and put a bigger guard next to him, uh, he's going to flourish. He has the dribble package. He, he can almost any shots in his bag at 20 years old. Like the, the bag is so deep that he's only going to add to it. I mean, look at where CJ was, from 2013 to where he is now. CJ is not athletic. He's not supremely quick, but he's crafty as fuck. And he just knows the the angles. Mm -hmm. And when you have a player with physical limitations, such as Ryan Rollins, he has to find other ways to get better. And he did that. And this is, this was my argument for Ryan Rollins versus maybe against a Pat Baldwin, like Toledo, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they're both probably not great teams. No. I mean, you could argue that maybe one's better than the other, but they're not great teams. Ryan Rollins was able to get his stuff off uh, against his conference uh, opponents playing at Toledo. That's what CJ did with Lehigh. Like, I, I just really like players that no matter the competition, no matter who is, you know, alongside them, you know, suiting up with them, 
he's able to just compete and produce. And I, I love the, the improvement that he showed from his freshman year to a sophomore year. I think it's a travesty if he doesn't go first round. He, he may not, but some team is going to find him in the second round and they're going to have a gem, a 10 year career. Like you, you put me onto this guy and I absolutely love him. Yeah. I mean, defending Pat a little bit, he, Ryan Rollins' bag is just too damn good. And Pat's a, a, a big man. So there's, there's different ways to attack size in this in in basketball what number are we again 17 okay so this is the ej liddell line um i i'm a humongous fan of ej liddell i think that defensively he's one of the best defenders like the way that he doesn't look like an athlete but his mother was a volleyball player and you can see that that gene of being able to smack the shit out of the ball has been passed down to him with all of the, the, the chase down blocks. I think that his rotations are really good. I think offensively, if he can get that pick and pop game with somebody, he can be a very, very uh, good role player for a long time. Um, You need, you need role players in this game. And I think EJ Liddell is one of the better role players. Um, I love, I love him on defense though. He's fantastic. Uh, at 17, I have a guy you just talked about, uh, Jalen Williams for, from Arkansas, uh, the one of the SEC's uh, defensive players of the year, um, or first-team all-defense, uh, excuse me, led the NCAA in charges drawn at 54, played in just over 30 games, uh, helped lead Arkansas to an upset over Gonzaga, played Duke incredibly tough. Uh, he just He can finish on the pick and roll with authority. He can pop out, hit an open jump shot. The the off-ball defense is just unreal. The chase down blocks, the length. There's just an intelligence to his defense and to his offense that he reminds me, he's maybe one of the closest things to Draymond that, that we have seen. Um, and Draymond went to the second round for, for a reason too. You know, he wasn't quick enough. He wasn't, maybe he wasn't strong enough. Like he was undersized. Well, Jalen Williams is perfectly sized to play either small ball five or, or four. Um, I love his mobility. I love his lateral quickness. You know, I, we, we had him high. We were turning, turning in, tuning into Arkansas games just to watch this, this, this big man play. And I rewatched him again, leading up to our scouting. I was like, I got to bump this guy up even further. Like this guy is, is incredible. And he was so consistent from the start of the season to the end of the season. Uh, I think he's just going to be a heart and soul, a glue guy, a player that you're, you're going to love to have on your team. And you're going to absolutely hate to play against him. So yeah, the charges, the, the getting charges, that's just, just going to be so annoying. He's, he's, mm. he's a, he's a pest. And I say that in the most lovingly way possible, but it's ridiculous that he is not graded out higher on, on anybody's big boards. And I am glad to take that, that leap of faith on, on Jalen Williams. So at 16, I have the champion Ochai Abaji. Um, I believe a little bit in his ability to create, but what he is is a D and three guy. Um, I, I think that his defense is really top tier, and then he's he he knows himself, and he improves every year but he knows his limitations and what he can do on the court. He's not going to try and ISO when that isn't his game. So if you need a guy that's going to fill a role and fill it well, Ochai Obaji is your guy. 
Is this 16? This is indeed 16. I have Dalen Terry, the one from yeah. Arizona. Uh, honestly, wouldn't mind having him up a couple of notches after, after re-watching him. Uh, again, he's just a menace defensively. I mentioned when we were scouting him, I'd just gotten done watching every game of the Blazers and Bulls in the 92 finals and just how disruptive Pippen and Jordan were with their length off ball. He couldn't throw long passes. You couldn't throw cross court. Uh, There's so many times that Terry would just kind of lurk in the lurk in the weeds and then pounce and, and get that ball and ignite the fast break for Arizona. And what's great about him is he excels in transition, uh, just hammers home everything with athleticism, uh, with ferocity. Um, he is, I think, a reliable catch and shoot guy from three. Uh, he averaged nearly four assists per game at the college level, which I think is incredible uh, because they, they play uh, shorter games and they're just it's just a different game. It's harder to get assists at, at the college level. I don't think he's ever going to be like a one on one isolation player, but the two way potential just has me kind of like salivating. Like I, Portland needs to find a way to get Dalen Terry. Like he is like maybe one of the most important players that Portland could find given his size and his skill set. And I think he's a player that's going to last in, in this league. And you're starting to see him rise on these draft boards. You know, Sage, you and I had were on Terry probably since Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he's starting to rise in, into that, that first round. But you know, you're high on him. I'm even higher on him. I, I think he's worthy of that late lottery, early teens uh, selection. Uh, I, I have Ohio State's Malachi Branham. Um, I think there are similarities between Malachi and AJ, but I think that the low hanging, hanging fruit for AJ is just more plentiful than, uh, than uh, Malachi. Malachi has to get better at getting to his spots with playmate uh, with dribbling because in uh at Ohio State he just got like one step ahead and launched and it was good but in the NBA I don't think that happens there's much more athletic players that, in the NBA than in the uh, uh the teams that Ohio State played so he's going to have to develop some craft to get to his spots but I can just see Karis LeVert in uh Malachi Branham that that, that is a comp that I don't think is that unachievable. I think that's a pretty likely outcome for Malachi. Uh, obviously, the defense has to improve. He is one of the worst defensive players, especially in the pick and roll. Like his hips are so inflexible that it's going to be hard for him to d- defend. But if he can get that defense to a little bit uh, negative, but still his offense carries him, then I really think that like there could be an all-star game appearance for Malachi Branham at 15 or whatever number I actually said. At 15, I have the other Ohio State Buckeye. I have EJ Liddell, um, six, seven, but possesses nearly a seven-foot wingspan, 240, so he's built. He can play either the three or the four. Um, I think if you like Keegan Murray, you should like EJ Liddell, especially with the value that you're going to get with him, taking him probably in the back end of that first round, maybe the from the teens to 25. Uh, I think he possesses uh, similar attributes, especially defensively. Uh, he is just all hustle, all out, all the time. And then he possesses a really nice uh, catch and shoot game. He can shoot the shit out of the basketball. You're looking at my notes. I think he can he can be a, a Robert Covington type of player. 
Uh, and you said it when you discussed him, you need role players in, in this game that, that don't require the ball in their hands, that play defense, that do the little things, and that really just balance out your roster. I mean, look at, a, look at what Jay Crowder has meant to, to mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns. Look at what P.J. Tucker has meant to the Milwaukee Bucks last year and the Miami Heat this year. You need those players who aren't afraid to get their nose dirty, go in there and just kind of muck shit up, to, to be honest. And, and I say that in the, the, the most positive way possible, but I think E.J. has legit all NBA defensive skills and instincts, and you're never going to run out of those in the NBA. You need as many – like you watch baseball – and they always say, how many starting pitchers do you need? You you can't have enough. It's a long season. Mm-hmm. Players get hurt. You always need a guy to go out there and give you five to six solid innings. You need a player like EJ Liddell that's going to go out there and give you 20 to 28 minutes of fantastic defense, rebounding, and, and open shot making. Like Those players are going to make the Trey Youngs, the Damian Lillards, the Steph Currys of the world so happy. They're going to make their life so much easier. Because the Lucas, you yeah. You can't double off them. Mm-hmm. They're going to make up for their mistakes on defense, and they're going to make them look fantastic on offense. Again, I love this guy. I have Jeremy Shohan. Um, It's obvious that I like Tari Eason more, but Sochan, what he can do defensively is so, so rare where he... I don't think he's the best athlete in the world, but he is so comfortable defending out in the perimeter because of his IQ. And I, I think laterally quick, he's laterally quick. He's just not fast. So he can stay up with those guards and play really good defense. I offensively, I worry that he doesn't warn a closeout. So I guess I can talk about all three of those versatile bigs right here, right now, but I think that Keegan Murray warrants that closeout because he can shoot the shit out of the ball. I think Tari Eason warrants a closeout because he also can shoot. I think Jeremy Sochan, you're going to let him shoot, and that might be a problem. Like, I, I could see a world where he's a five because the shooting isn't as legit. So that's why out of the first fours, he is the lowest on my list. For number 14, I have a back-to-back Buckeyes. I have Malachi I like uh, 6'5", 180, big-time Karis LeVert vibes, uh, a player who an unexpected one-and-done um, from Ohio State was just, you know, the number 44 player overall. So it's not like a five-star surefire player coming in who has all this media hype and attention. Really got out of the gate slow, but as the season progressed, really took ownership of that offense, really just – played like a, he played bigger than six, five, like my, my, I'm looking at my notes and he just has a big frame. It allows him to, to finish with contact at the rim. He's the master of the mid range. And I don't think the mid range gets enough love. It's, it's a great shot, especially if you can get some separation. And uh, I just, I, I really love how patient he is in the pick and roll. Uh, I think you're going to get a player. I think you nailed it perfectly. When you said he's probably going to make an all-star game. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be a perennial all-star, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has that Gordon Hayward type of career where he makes one all-star game, but he's going to get a really nice contract and you're going to want him uh, on your team. So um, I, I think he's got a really smart intelligence, especially with the ball in his hands. I, I made the note that he reminds me of like Chris Paul, with how patient he is. He knows exactly what to do with the defender and he kind of toys with them a bit. And this is just an 18, 19 year old kid. Imagine him growing into that skill set. So 
Um, there's a reason he's rising up these draft boards, and, and I think he's one of the best uh, wings that, that you can get in this in this draft. I I, I very much like it. Um, I just he needs he needs to get in the lab and get a Ryan Rollins bag. If he gets a Ryan Rollins bag, that there might be more All Star games for him. It, it's just about developing that because I, I I believe in everything that he can do. It's just that gaining that separation in the next level is what uh, worries me and put him at you know 15 instead of what you have him at so i i i'm very i have him at 14 so we're pretty close i know i was like fuck did he is it are we at 13 yet all right well whatever i think he's a very good prospect so we're at 13 now right correct i have johnny davis and this is where this draft it i I characterize this as a bad draft because I have to use my brain on every single pick one through 30. I have to use my brain to make the right selection last year. We knew where the players were going like a bad GM knew that Cade, Evan and uh, uh, Jalen in some way we're going to be the top three. And then it went to Scotty and Jalen this one. I can see a world where uh, Johnny Davis is six and is deserving, but I think that he has some issues with his athletic ability. He's going to have trouble gaining separation. I think that his shot, I, I don't know if his shot taking and selection was bad because he wanted to take those shots or he had to take those shots for Wisconsin. But I worry about him scaling down because he had like a 30 usage rate. He was their offense. So it was a bad Wisconsin team. It was an awful Wisconsin team. So I wonder what he's going to look like scaling down a bit. Is he going to need those touches to be as good as he can be? Or can he scale down and uh, do what AJ Griffin did and be successful with low usage. At 13, this is my wild card. Uh, this player could end up being a top five player from this draft. This player could not get a second contract. Can I make a wild guess? Because I think you, you're about to say Tari Eason. It is Tari Eason. Uh, LSU was an absolute dumpster fire this year. Their their coach was fired. I believe every player on scholarship transferred after at season's end. Yep. Uh, Eason came in this year from Cincinnati. Uh, was a sixth man for the, for the Tigers, and it was really hard to evaluate Eason because of how discombobulated the, the Tigers were on, on both ends of the floor. So you really just kind of had to point out certain plays and what you think Eason could become. Uh, I think he needs to become more reliable uh, shooting the basketball. Uh, the skill set's there, but I, I don't. I wouldn't call him like NBA average right off the bat. I still think he needs to work on that. Huge hands. He's got the physical tools. Uh, he could be a player that might slip on draft night, but five years down the line, you're like, how did this happen? Because he's just, he maybe could be like a Ron Artest type of player where he's just a, a just a beast defensively and so physically strong on offense that he's just able to get to the rim. He's able to pick and pop. And you're wondering, how did this guy fall? I so, think he has the biggest risk of all of the versatile fours that he's, we're he's going to talk very, about. Very high risk, very high reward. That's why he's more in the late lottery for me. 
Uh, I, I would not take him in the top 10 just because of the, the risk proposition. But I, I do think if you're looking for a swing, a swing of the fence, uh, you can't do much better than, than Tari Eason. He, he's, he's, he's in my top 10 pretty safely, but I, I think that the wild card is absolutely a great way to describe him. Like he takes risks. He takes dumb risks, but guess what? They work. And he's athletic enough to catch up. Once he fucks up, he's athletic enough and good enough to catch up. So I, I, I feel much safer with him fucking up than any of the other versatile fours. Well, Jeremy's not going to fuck up, but we'll, I'll talk about somebody else that does fuck up. Who's um, 12 for you? I have Keegan Murray at 12. It's perfect. Um, I think Keegan Murray was trying to be like Tari Eason a lot last year with he was trying to be aggressive in blitz and trying to make steals and make big plays happen, but it was almost never properly rewarded for him. That's why when we talked about his defense, I was like, yeah, it was good in the early part. And then it was struggling in the mid part because he was trying to be overly aggressive and it didn't work out for him much. I, I I think that he shoots the absolute shit. No, that's too much. I think he's a good shooter. I think that he would be a good shooter. But let's talk about what happens in every single play. Uh, we're based on, like, what Chauncey Billups is based on is penetrating and kicking out to the shooters, right? That's what he's talked about, the drive kick kick. I think that Keegan Murray deserves a pretty tough closeout. What the fuck is he going to do once they close out in an NBA game? He cannot dribble, and he's a bad passer. So what is he going to do when they close out on him? If you can give me the correct answer of what he does to an attack closeout, he'll move up to the top eight. I just have no fucking idea what he does in closeout situations because he deserves a closeout because of his shot. He's not going to attack the closeout well. Yeah, um, Keegan will be coming up shortly for me, so I'll, I'll, I'll address that uh, in a bit. But first, at 13, or 12. at 12, excuse me, I, I have a player that you already mentioned, uh, Jeremy Sohan for, from Baylor. Oh, uh, shit, so he's the number one big on your board. No. Or no versatile four, that's not big. the big four. No, he's not number one, but he is number 12 uh, for me. I, I think probably even including Chet, I, I think Sohan has the best defensive potential in this draft because of his ability to guard one through five. I don't know if Chet would ever be able to guard a one. Sohan's a little bit more lower to the ground. He's not seven feet tall. What about Tari Eason if he hits? I still think defensively, Sohan is my number one prospect uh, ceiling-wise. Uh, the, the ability that he has with his length his intelligence, like there, there's just clips of him playing defense. And it's just, it's something you wouldn't watch in a game live and be like, oh yeah, he's doing that. It's like, no, somebody put together packages and like, just watch Jeremy, just see what he does. And all of the right moves that he's making as an 18 and 19 year old are just astounding. Imagine getting him and a guy with like Nick Nurse together and just imagine what he could he's do. He's a Raptors wet dream. Yeah, you put him in there and he, you're just going to unleash mayhem on the opposition. 
I do agree there are concerns with the jump shot. But when I watched his tape of him playing overseas with uh, the Polish team, he was much more confident with his shot. It was going in at such a much uh, higher clip, a higher rate. It's a little bit of a slingshot form, but I put stock into what I saw then as opposed to what I saw at, at Baylor. Because again, at the collegiate level, you don't necessarily, you're a forward. You don't know when you're going to get the ball. Like Jeremy Sohan shooting threes. You play by the Baylor guards. You die by the Baylor yeah, Scott, Baylor Scott Drew is not going to run offense for Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan. That's just not what got them to a number one seed. However, if he's playing alongside, you know, John Morant or, you know, Damian Lillard. Yeah. You could run some pick and pop action. And I, I, I believe in the progress. Like he's still a young kid. I think that's the limit uh, to his offensive game is probably catch and shoot. But if, if he hits defensively and he's able just to keep the defense honest, you're going to get a player who you cannot take him off the court. And he can you can play him small ball five. You can play him three, four, wh- whatever you want to do. Just I, the defensive potential capabilities and situations that you could throw him in. Um, I mean, I look at the Spurs in, in the lottery. That That's a team that I'm like, yeah, they, they probably may take him. And if he goes there, just watch out. If he goes to the right system and they're just – patient with him this kid could just be absolute dynamite i think that the biggest swing skill is his shot um i mean he makes up for not being the best athlete in the world because he's smart and he's got that wingspan for days he's a long player all right so we're at what number 11 11 i have your favorite arizona wildcat at 11 in benedict matherin I think that I have an issue. Like if I'm thinking about the Blazers, I have an issue with Benedict Matherin because I think that he would do better in a faster paced team. The Blazers are like a mid tier space team. I remember that Houston uh, Cougars Cougars. They tried to slow the game down and make it ugly. That's where Benedict Matherin struggled. So I think he would do best on the Spurs because they're the, one of the faster teams. So I, I think that it's just a pace and space team for Benedict. So it kind of limits where he goes, where he's the most optimized. Um, I think that he's a, I never, ever, ever uh, question the shot. I think he's a three-level scorer. I think the defense is obviously going to be the biggest issue with him with his off-ball defense. I mean, the reason why Arizona stopped dancing was because he didn't play defense on the last possible second. So I I, I like him. He's in my top 10, but I think that he would Not do Not your better. top 10. He's 11. 11. Fuck. I like him. He's in my top 11. He's in my lottery. I like him. So, but I think that he would do much better on a faster-paced team than the Blazers. I have Keegan Murray at, at 11. You know, I got, conf- I've gotten confused a lot because I talked about Keegan Murray. So I assumed you talked about Keegan Murray. No, not yet. So I have Keegan at 11, a really hard player to place for me specifically. I do not buy into this top five hype that he got for just being a dominant scorer at Iowa. He posted up way too much. Yes. And I mean, a lot of his possessions came on the post up against smaller players similar to Mike Beasley at Kansas state in 2008, that does not translate. You're not going to run post-ups for a six, eight Keegan Murray. He's it's just going to get shut down. So you take that away. What is he bringing you offensively? I think he is a safe player in terms of 
uh, shooting the basketball. I think he's going to make the right play. I think he's a lim- I think he's a little limited athletically and what he can do uh, with the ball. In his so he's hand. a straight four, right? I think you get away playing him some three. Um, no. I said no, some no, three. No, no, no. Uh, I think he's Harrison Barnes. I think that's the type of player you're going to get. So I, if you're looking for a, a perennial all-star, I wouldn't pick him. If you're looking for someone just to fill in your rotation, go ahead and take him, but you're going to have to take him higher than you probably want. And that's the reason he's lower on my board. I don't see that value. Like I wouldn't take Harrison Barnes and really in the top 10, like he's had a, a pretty good career, but there's a reason he's a fifth starter in, in, in the league. And those, those players are relatively easy to find. Uh, so how does he attack the closeout? I, I haven't seen it yet. That's why he's 11 and not five. <laughs> yeah. If he can, if someone can explain to me from the Iowa tape how he attacks closeouts that happen every fucking game, multiple, multiple, multiple times. I mean, that that is the key. If, if he can attack a closeout a little bit, he... I guess he deserves to be in the top 10, but I don't think that he does. And that's why I feel very safe with uh, Tari higher. Um, yeah, I think Keegan's a safer pick. That's why he's. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's three notches higher th- th- than Easton. I think he's also still a wonderful defender um, who, when you put him in an NBA level scheme, like again, the Iowa team was not good. They won the Big Ten tournament because of Keegan, and then they lost in the first round because their team's oh, just not good. Yeah. yeah, you can't expect one player just like he's taller and bigger and stronger than the small guys that he posted up against. But when he's going against shit, who is just a strong wing? I'm not even going to talk about a forward, a strong Josh wing. What? Josh Hart. Josh Hart would body Keegan if in a closeout situation. There's no bodying up Josh Hart. Like Justice Winslow would shut that shit down instantly. I'm not talking about a forward. I'm talking about a small wing. I don't think he's strong either. I think he's bigger than the players that he went against. All right, who are we going to? Uh, I'm at 10, right? We're top 10. So I have Dyson Daniels because I I don't believe in the shot. And I think his playmaking in terms of dribbling, is really bad. I think that once he gets into the paint, fantastic playmaker. I, I think he's a good playmaker, actually. I, I For a 6'7 dude to be an above-average playmaker is so valuable, but there's just so many things in his game that worries me with, with the shot and then the, the dribbling. And dribbling is fucking hard to, to master. Like the reason Paul George is so special is he went and was drafted and had Clay Thompson dribbles and then turned it into Steph Curry dribbles. That shit's hard to actually create. And if he has a dribble creation like a Paul George, where it's that type of upside, I am fucking wrong. My, my, my evaluation of him is wrong, but those things are hard to develop. He is a fantastic defender. It's really smart, really athletic. But there's some things in his game that just worry worry me in playmaking and shooting. At 10, I have Memphis big man Jalen Duran. Um, I think he's clearly the, the top center prospect uh, in this class. Incredibly mobile. Uh, 
reclassified early. So he's, you know, a year early up on his high school class. It's really hard. The, the Memphis program was up and down this year. They didn't have great guard play. And when you're a center at the collegiate level, you're not really going to get a chance to show off what you can do offensively. Mm-hmm. He showed some minor playmaking skill set potential that could translate. Uh, there were r- rumors that he was hitting corner threes in the Blazers workout. Uh, he's able to do that. That's great. I, I personally haven't seen an ounce of it given his percentages at the free throw line in college. Uh, it just, anybody can hit an open three in an open workout. So yeah. that's more when there's that. no repercussion and no decision-making. Yeah. I could probably make a corner three too. I'll believe that one. When I see it, uh, I think if you're expecting him to be bam out of bio on the perimeter defensively, I think you're expecting wrong. And I think those are too lofty of expectations but he is mobile. He is a freakish athlete. I think you're looking at maybe a more modern NBA version of DeAndre Jordan in terms of the lob threat, uh, the ability to shot block and rebound, and maybe be a little more playable in today's day and age than DeAndre would have been. Uh, Again, he jumps up if he's able to be more of an offensive threat, but right now it's just the the lob. It's just the garbage man uh, role. And if he can really hedge on the perimeter instead of just being a drop big, like I was texting, I was like, if he projects to be Robert Williams, I don't love him in the top 10 because Robert Williams isn't having the greatest impact in this finals. Like, but he's hurt. He is injured. He isn't. Yes. I, I will say that. And he is a good player, but Robert Williams also taken, I think in the twenties, like he slipped like that. That's, that's where you want. I was also thinking like, Every position is valuable. No, nobody is denying that. But I think in the modern NBA, the center position is the least valuable. And I think you can find Wait, over a power forward. I think it's yeah. The, the center position is you. If you give me Paul George, that type of power forward. But Paul over, George is like the okay, fine. I, I'm just saying, like there. The Joel Embiid and and Joker are two. There's two, and there's and nobody maybe, remotely close to those players. There, I, I think you're undervaluing the center position because it's so valuable, especially defensively. Like, okay. I I do not believe in the center position in the lottery in, in today's NBA. I just don't, I don't see it. it. Now, if he could shoot like Al Horford, yes, sign me up for a top five pick because Al Horford is valuable. He can play two ways. Um, and that's why Jokic and Embiid are so great because they're, they, they go two ways. I am, yo, like, I like, think look, look how good Bam Adebayo is, but he got exposed in the playoffs because he, you couldn't run offense for him. He was not scoring the basketball an elite defender. And, and I know Bam's fantastic. I love Bam, but everything gets exposed in the postseason. I, I think you're wrong. And I'm like the most anti big man. I, I think that you're underestimating the value of an elite defender and a great rebounder. So. Um, I'm just saying throughout history, big men have not led the championships, at least in the past 30 years. Hakeem was Hakeem was it. And I think Hakeem and Duncan and Shaq, those those three. But. All right. I mean, I I would much rather have Jalen Duran trying to. I would much rather have Jalen Duran than fucking Keegan Murray trying to. uh, But you have. We both have him ahead of Keegan. Like that's that's fair. I have him ahead of Keegan Murray as well. But I, 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 I I'm not going to convince you, but I think that you are underestimating what a big can do 
that that they just make things so much easier defensively. Like I, 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 I agree in the regular season. I, I completely agree in the regular, but in, in the postseason, there's just there's no defending Steph Curry from 35 feet. There's no defending Trey and Dame. We're talking about the ninth or tenth. They've they've won 30 fucking games. They got to get there first. <laughs> they got to get to the goddamn playoffs before we can worry about their weaknesses. Like we're we're talking about dog shit teams right now. Yeah. Ninth and tenth player on our uh, on the team. They they deserve to be in the lotto. They're bad. I so clearly like the regular season through the regular season. I clearly season like Jalen Duran. I do. I don't love the value of a center in, in today's NBA in the lottery. That's all I'm saying. I think wings and guards are more important. So this, uh, fuck, I knew this was going to happen where we argue about a player, and then I'm about to talk about that same player. I have Jalen Dern at nine. But See, we're I, close. I, I know, I know, but you were talking. I think my argument was value of center, not – I also think that uh, Jalen Dern is better than Time Lord. I and, think and that if he, – And if he projects to be defensive player of the year, fantastic. But it's – and I'll I'll let you just go go into your your scouting of Duran, but it's it's hard when I say defensive player of the year. I'm like, oh, Rudy Gobert is a three time defensive player of the year, and nobody fucking wants him, like especially at the contract that he has because he can't play in the postseason. Now, if you're oh, saying, that, I think that's wrong because of his shitty guards fucking up. But regardless, Rudy Gobert, time and time again, has been played off the court. If you say if you think Jalen can stay in the in the playoffs, then yes, I think he warrants this selection. Defensively, I think obviously he will stay on the court. We're, we're talking about a guy that isn't uh, the most gifted offensively. I think defensively he's not getting played off the court. But I think if you scheme him up, he's he's going to stay on the court on the playoffs. But it it's not it's on the the coaching staff to put him in plus scenarios. I think that he is talented enough and good enough to be on the court at those times. I think that he is better than time Lord. I think that he is worse than Bam Adebayo. But it, so if there's a tier between those two, I think that that's where Jalen stays. I mean, he has all the tools in the world to be a world-class center. It's on Chauncey Billups or whoever's drafting him to put him in positions to succeed and develop him. Because I think he has all the tools in the world to be that but you as a coach and development staff have to help him. So I, and I think I would be more open to Duran in the lottery thinking from a Blazers perspective, if they had that second pick, it's tough to be like, Oh, totally. Totally. It's I tough. Like that. you get one chance, your first lottery pick in nine years. And you know, you're, you're taking a one way player at, at this point. So maybe but that's I, where it's coming I, I, from. The playmaking upside, like there are things that Jalen Duran does that other bigs can't do. So I'm, I'm going to take the the upside of Jalen Duran and um, be kind, pre, be pretty happy. I think if the Blazers drafted him, I would be fine with it. I would not be hyped, but I would not be bummed the fuck out like I would be with Keegan Murray or AJ Griffin. Uh, oh no! Oh no! The best, the best freshman shooter in a long ass time. I uh, that picture of. Dame talking to AJ is going to get tattooed on my arm. <laughs> uh, at number nine, I have uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. You gave me a look when I put him at 
Oh, fuck. I did have him 13. Never mind. Him 13. So Johnny is a player who I love initially. And then we started scouting some other players and he struggled a bit at Wisconsin at times during the season and he dropped. And now it's to the point where I feel like he's underrated. Like I'm like, no, Johnny Davis needs some love. Like that Wisconsin team was abysmal. He was the Wisconsin Badgers. No other players to, to take any sort of heat off of him. And I know there are questions about how we can scale down. You were talking about that. Well, there was a game early on. I think it was like the Maui Invitational. They're playing Houston, the team that eliminated the Arizona Wildcats from the tournament, one of the best defensive teams. He actually got free off ball and was just a marksman, like Clay Thompson type of jump shot. From- I think he needs to shoot more too. I think Wisconsin did not give him like, I think that the, the, the guards that we're going, I'm going to talk about in the future are, they needed to shoot more. I think Johnny Davis needed to shoot more. He didn't take enough catch and shoot or threes in general. It was mostly mid-range, like, I'm bigger, stronger than you. I'm going to post you up and take this shot. I like his throwback game. I like the ability that he can post up smaller guards. Uh, there, That performance that really stands out to me at Purdue, 37 points in a victory over just a really good Boilermaker team. Mm-hmm. Um, was the best player on the floor that day. And that, that included uh, Jaden Ivey. I, I think there are questions about his athleticism. There are questions. Are we talking first or second game? The one that he scored 37, the first one. Okay. Cause our, that second game was awesome too, but. And, but I remember the same thing being talked about Brandon Roy. Like when you're talking about separation, it's almost like a double-edged sword because if you don't get it, you don't get it. But if you don't get it, maybe you can learn how to use leverage. Like CJ McCollum knows how to use his leverage. Brandon Roy used his leverage and, and found angles and was still able to get his shot off despite not being super athletic. So I, I do see the concern. There are concerns there. That's why he's not higher for me, but I just have a feeling about this kid. Like if he goes to the right system, you're going to get a big guard, like Clay Thompson, Brandon Roy sized guard at the two where those, those guards don't grow on trees anymore. Like they're not coming out of the collegiate ranks very often. You're getting more of those six, three, six, four combo type of players. These throwback guards are going to be a, a hot commodity. He's a smart defender. He's just a great rebounder. Um, I, I, I love everything about Johnny Davis. And if Portland was able to trade down, you know, whether you get 13 and 15 or nine and 20 or nine and 25, I mean, he's a player who I think would would just look fantastic. And I I just think like playing for Wisconsin is hurting his stock a bit right now because there's a lot of tape of him struggling to do too much. Mm -hmm. But again, when you're put in a situation like that, it's just like, Johnny, here's the ball, go save us. And he's like, well, shit, okay, I'll try my best. Yeah. So we're at eight, correct? Yes. This is where the best versatile four that's not one of the big three, Tari Eason gets picked. I have him at eight, man. I, I I am very aware that he is a high-risk player. He fucks up a lot defensively, but he makes up for it. He is really one-handed when he drives. He is right-hand dominant. He does not have a left currently. He's over-aggressive when he tries to uh, drive to the lane and dunk on everybody. He commits so many fucking charges. With all that said, he has the highest ceiling out of those, the three guys that I keep mentioning. He, he, 
in this scenario that happens every every possession with closeouts, I don't think Jeremy gets them. I think Keegan can't do anything. I know Jer- I know Tari Easton's gonna get that motherfucker on his back and then turn the corner and get to the hoop. I know he's attacking closeouts. He shows he shows flashes of being Victor Oladipo. He shows flashes of being one of those elite guys. But he also shows flashes of him absolutely sucking. And I'm well aware of that. But I'm taking the good with the bad. And I think if you can get him in a scheme, scheme him up, get him in places where he can attack, he's going to be the best power forward that's not one of those big three. I I am taking the chance on Tari Eason and all of the negatives that could happen. I think that he is the best defender in the perimeter if he can get his shit right. So, Roy Rogers, if we if we trade back and get two first and get Tari Eason, yeah, Roy's going to have a job to do trying to get him to play the correct way. But when he goes off script and it works, we have a game changer here. And Tari Eason at eight, I feel confident with. And I know that this could blow up in my face, but I could also look like a fucking genius. Number eight, I have Dyson Daniels from the G League uh, Ignite. One of the first uh, foreign-born players to kind of go the the G League route. Uh, Again, it was kind of a mess. You have so many players kind of playing for themselves. A lot of people just also hanging on to to their careers. But what I saw when I watched him was arguably the best perimeter defender in, in the class. He defends, he doesn't defend like an 18 year old person. He defends like a man. He already right now can flip his hips, get in front of his defender without fouling. And that's the skill set that's going to start him from day one. He is a ball handler, a playmaker, whatever you feel like his level of that is currently you have to remember he's 18 years old. He's going to get better at that. And so you potentially have, a lead guard at six, eight, six, nine, that's going to be able to play defense and set up your shooters. That allows you to have maybe one of those smaller combo guards playing alongside of him because you still do have that size. And I think the biggest question mark for me is, is the jump shot. Can he just keep defenses honest with it? Uh, That's why he's not higher. But again, I, I do buy into that, that hype that he is going to go probably four through eight. Um, I have him a date right now. I, I, I have, I would be more comfortable seven to eight, nine, 10. I don't know about four, but defensively at that age, guarding the perimeter, that, that just, it's such an important skill set to have that you, you just, you kind of have to salivate because it's like a Sohan where you're just like, what can we do with this kid? Because there aren't many Swiss army knives at six, eight that can play one through three, maybe even four in stretches. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Again, this could blow up in my face because I think that he could go four. But I have Shaden Sharp just because there isn't that much tape on him. Like, there's there's 15 games on the internet of Shaden Sharp. So there, is, there isn't that much tape. And then he hasn't played a legit comp, uh, a comp basketball game in two years. So there's going to be rust. But the jumper looks amazing. He's super bouncy. He has all of the things that you're looking for in a, an Ant Edwards or a Jalen Green. I think that I – don't, I don't know if he is as quick as Jalen or Ant, but he is that archetype of 
versatility meets skill meets athleticism, but I don't know if it's at the tier of Ant and Jalen. Cause I think Jalen had Jalen had cutting that Shaden hasn't shown yet at, at that quality yet, but I'm well aware that he could be the best player in this draft, but I I'm not as comfortable going all in on him right now. And that's why he is seven. Yeah, fair enough. Um, at seven, I have Paolo Bancaro. Damn. Uh, so that I means that that means oh, Dang is ahead of him. Who's uh, Damn. Yeah, e- easy okay. um, for me. Okay. Bancaro. So is, is, has there been a tier change yet? Because at Jalen Duran, I changed tier levels to two. Everyone else was at tier three. Then there's a big jump, and then no, he's. He's between tier two and tier three for okay. me. He's 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 there. Okay. Um, I like Paolo Bancaro. I I think he's one of the best offensively skilled big men in this draft, especially at six ten. Can handle the ball, put it on the floor. I, I I question watching him. There were times when I'm like, is this dude like really interested in playing right now? Like it's. It's Duke, it's Coach K's last ride. You're playing on national TV almost every game. And there were just times where I didn't know if he was hyped to play. And it could be because he's like, I know I'm going to the league next year. And why why the hell am I having to spend a year in college? That still kind of scares me because I would rather have to coach down a guy than have to coach somebody up. Um, I question a little bit the, the lateral quickness. So defensively, I don't know if he's ever going to be elite. Like he may be number one in this draft because of product uh, as a byproduct of this draft, not having a clear cut number one player. And I, I can understand that. I can understand why people have him number one. Do you think he should drop 10 pounds? I think he needs to get a little bit more nimble. Yes. Cause yeah, I would say that I think that he's looking too much biggest. like Julius Randall for me. I watched high school tape of him. Cause I, had his insomnia one night so i watched a bunch of his high school tape his high school tape is better than his duke tape by far he did not give a fuck about defense for 85 percent of the year like i think that he cared in the tourney i think that he was really good at defense in a few games early year but mid-year through like i would say the acc tournament he actually turned it on he did not give a fuck about defense But I look at his high school tape, and he's, like, a good defender. Like, help side, he's there. He's making plays. But he was also – he was thinner when he was in high school. So, in my evaluation of him, I'm I'm using the Duke tape, obviously. It's the most uh, recent. I also am taking into account that in high school, he was thinner and a lot more athletic. So, I, I think that he needs to drop some weight and be more nimble. Yeah, and if he showed more of that, he would be higher. But right now, I think he, to me, I think he's like a Julius Randle type of player where he might make an all-star team, but I I don't know if he's perennial. I have him at seven because I do think there is. There's a risk. There's a risk, but I think there's potential for him to become an all-in, a perennial all-star. Like there's, there's talent there. There's just a little bit of red flags that I'm not willing to look past in terms of, but I like other prospects more. Has there been a prospect that we've had at the same spot this entire Neg- draft? Negative. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it starts now. <laughs> so at six, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with my evaluation of him. 
I've only watched Usman when he was really good. There was a point in time where he was not very good and not confident in his shot playing against a very physical Australian league. They are physical as hell. That's why when Josh Giddy succeeded in a less physical uh, NBA, it made sense. I have Usman at six. I had a very difficult time choosing between he and AJ. But I, I, I watched some early AJ. I was like, that, three, that shot is so good, I'm going to move him ahead. And there's so many, there's so much low fruit on his to, for AJ that I'm putting Usman at six. He is special as a two-way player that I, I, I love watching what he can do off-ball and on-ball. They did a really good job of having Pooh Jeter uh, run the offense, and then um, that guy from Louisville as well. So he wasn't the main guy, but when he was the uh, main guy on offense, he did his thing. He got to the spots he wanted. I think that he needs to put on weight and strength because he was very uh, – he tried to avoid contact too much. So if he can put on the strength, which isn't if, he is a skinny boy, he can be, he can be an all – he can be an all-star player for sure. If he can put on the strength, he can be Brandon Ingram with more with a plus defensive uh, game. So Usman at six. Yeah. I, I love Zhang as well. Another player who I think is being undervalued in, in this draft uh, at six, another player that slipped for me. And it's, it's more just because of the risk. Are you I, about to say Chet? I have Chet Holmgren at six. Um I would have liked to have seen more at Gonzaga. And I understand that Drew Timmy was the offensive focal point. Andrew Nimhart ran the offense. Uh, the guards weren't as strong as they were last year with, with Jalen Suggs and uh, Joel Ajay. However, when we saw him up close and personal for two games, he had a lot of opportunity to take some, some threes and knock them down. And just the shot didn't look good to me there. There was there were times in the season where he looked like the number one pick. He was dribbling the ball between his, you know, behind his back, going coast to coast and dunking on folks. And there were times where he was just I, I kind of invisible. Um, I think I this think was the worst has, team. I think he has great defensive potential. Mm-hmm. Like he, he locked down Jalen Duran. Like he was blocking a shot at the rim, even at, with his frame. With If Chet just would have shown me more with the shot, like if I could say – Chet, you're a, you're you're the type of shooter that Keegan Murray is. Okay, you're moving up my board. You know, I don't know if he's able to do that. Combined with just the, the weight frame. scares the shit out of me. The, the, so, I mean, to be completely honest, the weight scares the shit out of me. That's why I wouldn't take him in the top five. I think I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't know if he's going to hit, and I don't know if I'm willing to take the risk. I think he's the riskiest player in this draft. So I heard in an interview say that he. I think a issue with him is what you just laid out. People calling him weak. So he wouldn't I think that he doesn't want that weak moniker around him. So he didn't shoot it a lot because in his mind shooting threes is weak. I think that if he went to North Carolina and took Brady Manick's role, he would be the number one guy by far. Because in Brady Manick shot as much as he fucking wanted. And uh, shit, what's who? Herbert Davis? Hubert Davis. Hubert Davis 
empower Brady Manic to shoot. So if he went to North Carolina, we would be talking about a number one by far. So I, I think that if he in his mind can take away that weak, that weak shit that people keep talking about, he's going to be the he's he's he has the chance of being the best player, one of the best players in the league. So I get the risk. I think he's worth the risk. Um, that's why he's much higher on my list. But yeah. I, I get I get why you're saying it. But I just think that what he does as a defensive guy, and I think that he can shoot really well. I don't think that he's ever going to take the shots that Jabari and AJ do, where Chet might be the best shooter. He just isn't going to shoot enough to be on that list of like, you know, there's that minimum bar that you have to take for the shooters, like the percentages and the like to judge who's the best three-point shooter. He ain't going to take enough to actually make it make it work so that coach is going to have to talk to him and empower him to be that shooter to be that player that he can be because mark few did not do that but i get why you're you have him so low because of the risks so i don't think he's soft i just think physically he is weak like he physically he does need to gain weight like yeah player 82 games 48 it's it's going to be time and time again like he's going to have to bulk up while also keeping his mobility. One other reason I dropped him a bit is he's not a traditional freshman. He's 20 years old. Like he's older than the traditional freshman. So you're mostly looking like at a sophomore player. So that does, I think, reduce his potential just in my eyes um, a bit. So um, who do you have at five? I have AJ Griffin at five. Um, so I have the similar issues with AJ that I do with the guy who I have at four in Jabari Smith. I think AJ is a better shooter, but I think Jabari Smith has a lot of other skill sets being taller, being a better defender. So I have AJ at five, but I think that the weaknesses in both of their games right now are very similar. So I wanted to put Jabari right behind him because of that. But I think that, there's low hanging fruit that we as analysts and draft guys aren't taking right now that we should take. He is the best fre- freshman shooter in the last like decade. He is really fucking good at shooting. And if we can just get him to shoot more, cause he Duke didn't do that. They didn't give him the ball enough. He needed to shoot more cause he's so fucking good at it. Um, obviously there's issues, but I feel like AJ's issues are more fixable than some of the other issues there. He lost time with COVID. New York City was affected by COVID the same way that Paulo Banchero in Seattle was. COVID really fucked up a lot of people's in this era's development. I am willing to take on all of the issues of AJ Griffin for that shooting ability and for that off the dribble shooting ability for the cutting for everything that AJ does. I think a lot of this shit's fixable. I know that the injuries scare him, but from what I've been hearing, cause I am such an AJ stand that the medicals pass. I am all on AJ Griffin to be, I think that he could be the best player in the draft. If the athlete, if he can get the shin and get the flexibility, he needs, if he comes to Portland, 
let's start a goddamn yoga club for him to get some damn flexibility in his legs. But I think that he could be the, there is a world where AJ Griffin is the best player in the draft because that shooting ability is so goddamn good. I think he needs to hire you to do as a, his I cuss too much. I cuss too much. I could never yeah, be AJ. That, uh, that, that defense is a world away from being the best. Okay. Let's I, talk about that Duke defense. I well, think that that Duke actually, defense was so bad with this. I have to go pretty soon, Sage. So we kind of, well, although you're going to have to wait to that. Hap- no, I, I think I that it's so overly helped. I think it's so over help dependent that that's why AJ, I watched way too many AJ Griffin high school games. He plays good defense. Duke has some weird strategies for him to play defense, but Mark, I, I still feel good about that. There's a chance he's the best player in the draft. All right. At five, I have Benedict Matherin. I God think damn. he's uh, one of the best wings in this class. There's just players who look the part. Like he, he makes the game. He's th- aesthetically pleasing where AJ is not. Yeah. I see AJ and I'm just like, Ugh, like, no, you're too boxy. You're too mechanical. Matherin is slithery and smooth. And like, <laughs> this is where the difference is in our evaluations. There's just an eye test where I watch Matherin. I'm like, yes, he is going to be able to get in and out of NBA crevices. He's going to get to his spots. The, the switch that really flipped for me with Matherin was midseason. Tommy Lloyd took the ball out of Kirk Kreese's hands, put it in Taylor, Terry and Matherin's hands, and he was initiating offense. Mastering that, that pick and roll with uh, Coloco, throwing lobs, deep lobs, while also maintaining a high usage from the offensive event. Uh, clearly, I, I think he has defensive issues, especially off ball, uh, which have been discussed. But I, I think that's going to get worked out. You're not going to be able to play in today's NBA if you don't give the effort uh, on that end of the floor. And, and I think once he's with you know two to three other guys that can shoulder some of the offensive load, he can lock in uh, defensively. He's got the athleticism. I just, I, I think he's, he's marvelous. Like that performance against TCU hitting that big shot. I was like, okay, this is a prime time player. Uh, the dunk showed me the athleticism that I want to see from a six, six guard. Um, I, I, I think he's, he's marvelous. Who do you have it for? Oh, you're going to, Oh, it's, it's Jabari Smith. Um, and I was, I, I think I was the first Blazers guy to talk about Jabari as a pairing and how he was the best player. I think that the biggest issues with Jabari is that he takes nothing but tough shots. I don't think he has a go-to move where he can generate space. Everything he does right now is a difficult shot. There is no easy ones. And this is in Auburn in college. It's going to get harder. His biggest swing skill is getting into positions to make that easy shot. He doesn't, he doesn't score at the rim. So he's a mid-range long range and three point shooter. If he can develop some stuff to get some easy shots, I feel so much better. The play, I, I think he is a horrendous passer too. Uh, he and he and uh, Kessler are two of the worst passers I've ever seen. Those two could have made their lives easier if they knew how to pass. I know that the, uh, the Auburn guards are awful passers. Jabari and Walker were also awful passers. So if, if he can just get easy buckets and get more gravity on the court to make passes that are easier. Uh, I, I, I can see him going higher, but right now I just don't see the, the, the playmaking. And if he goes number one and 
is such a bad playmaker. Like that's 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 disturbing a trend where if you're number one, you have to create for others. So I have him at four. I think he's fucking awesome. I just think that there's some issues there that people aren't really uh, talking about. And his defense is fantastic too. Number four, I have Usman Jang. Um, I, I think he, the sky's the limit for, for him. Another player like Branham who played better as the season uh, came on again, he's 18, 19 years old. Uh, you're getting a 6'10 playmaker with incredible defensive instincts who can shoot the basketball. He's everything you want. Uh, I, I equated him to a prime Nico Batum, completely locked in, and that player is an all-NBA player, uh, a do-it-all performer. He's who I want Portland to take. Uh, he's not in the top 10 of most mock drafts. I don't know why. I think he's going to be one of the top five players from this draft uh, quite easy. And again, I love the, the foreign born players. I think playing grown man basketball at an early age has its benefits. And you saw the growth. You saw the, the progression from the start of the season to the end. That's something I, I buy into. You take him along slowly. He is going to blossom. And, and I, I think just like Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram did not light the world on fire. It took him mm-hmm. a long time. It took him three or four years before he, he had to get his body right. Yeah, a, a, I think, has to do the same. Yeah, I think you're looking at Ingram on offense and maybe a Batum on defense. Like I, I, I think this the sky is the absolute limit for for Usman. So at three, I have Jaden Ivy. We've talked about him probably more than any prospect. His first, quick first step is godlike. I have less issues with him than I do with you know Jabari. Like I, I think that he ha- probably has the least amount of red flags as a prospect. But I couldn't do I couldn't put him at one or two. But I think that what he can be is just an all-world player at the shooting guard position that can handle playing point guard, but you probably want somebody who's a better passer around him. I mean, that God-given athleticism and that quick first step creates so many problems for the a defense that he he he's going to be the the guy that all defenses fear in this draft class because of that. So he's three for me right now. Three, I have Shaden Sharp, uh, the international man of mystery in in this draft class. Uh, I I just feel like it's more of a gut instinct, right? There's not a lot of tape to go off of, but he kind of checks off every box when I think of perennial NBA superstars. Still growing, went from 6'4 to 6'6" plays both ways uh, all the scouting reports say he's a willing defender loves that end of the floor he's bouncy the jump shot looks great number one player in his high school class he's a player that if he had played at Kentucky next year he's going number one probably maybe no Victor is no, probably going Victor's one. getting it and I think probably going good. top two or top three if you can get him at five six or seven you don't get an opportunity to draft a player with these credentials often. So yeah, I'm willing to risk, I'm ready to roll the dice on a, you know, six, 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 seven wing mm-hmm. who checks off every single box. Yeah. I, I think that I've been the more risky guy up to this point. Take that thinking like Tari's eight. This is where you take the reins as the more, uh, the guy that has more cojones in their analysis. But I, I agree with everything you're saying. It's just I'm a little bit more worried about him. So at two, and this is where the the tears 
I Ivy to Sharp was, is tier two. This is tier one. I love Paulo Banchero. I've had a love-hate relationship with him, but what he can do offensively is special. He has creativity. He can create gravity because he can dribble and pass and shoot. He creates, he's a willing passer when his gravity affects and creates a double. What he can do offensively is so special that I'm willing to take a chance on him not being hyped up for the first game of college. I get it. That that is a red flag, but what he can do offensively and what he when he is locked in, what he can do defensively is great. So I'm taking him at two. At two, I have Jaden Ivey. Um, I think he may end up being the best player from this draft class. I think the burst of speed, the athleticism, everything you want in, in a modern player. I mean, look at the success that John Morant has had. He's worked on his range out to NBA, NBA, uh, he has He's better suited than Jaw for sure. Yeah. I think the the only thing that concerns me is where do you play him at the next level? And who do you play him alongside? Like, I don't think it's a perfect fit for every franchise. Like mm. if, if, if he's on the court as a two, you need a, a taller one, like a Spencer Dinwiddie, like a Luka Doncic, maybe a Tyson Daniels down the road. Or if you play him at the one, you need uh, maybe a number two who has some better ball handling skills. Uh, who can be a secondary ball handler? Because I don't. Think I, I think his ball placement on passes sucks. Yeah, he's not. A, he's not a point guard. Like yeah. he, he is a shooting guard. But can you can you make him into a respectable passer? So like that's the question for me. But I, I love the progression from year one to year two. I mean, game to game, you just see so much improvement. So I, mom, I get why you have him too. Yeah, his mom's a, a head coach at Notre Dame, uh, the women's basketball team. He, he's grown around the game. He's incredibly smart. The athleticism is freakish. Uh, the, the question for me is just the, a, a fit for whatever team that drafts him. They have to have a plan for him um, because otherwise I think he does potentially fail at the next level if he's not put in the right position. But put him in the right position, uh, that's why he's so high for me. I have Chet number one. I think that the def- the – Ability on defense to be a absolute game changer. Uh, It's just too alluring to me. I think that he is a good shooter. I just don't think that we're going to get him to be the the shooter that Jabari or AJ is in terms of attempts. But I I love the tools. I think that people that shit on Chet that I've seen online just don't watch enough Chet to really understand how good of a prospect he is. I, I am a humongous fan of him. He is number one on my board by far. I have Jabari Smith from Auburn. From the moment I saw him till now, that has not changed. That he is my top prospect. The things that he does are unmatched, I think, by anyone in this class. When you look at his size, his shooting ability, his ability to run the floor and even handle the ball, like there, there are clips that just make you like your jaw. You have to pick your jaw up. Like there's a six ten big leading a break, going behind his back, and then finishing at the rim. Do you think um, he thinks that he's a wing or a big? I think that he thinks both. he's a big. He's both. That's why I love him because he, he – you can he mix can, him up. but I think mental – I think with his process, I think he thinks he's a like a classic big man when he's not. He could, I, I also think he is another player who's going to benefit from moving on. NBA spacing. Ranks, play with some good guards that can put him in position to succeed – 
uh, I've watched a ton of Auburn basketball, like some of the shot selection that his teammates were doing, they would go minutes upon minutes without getting him the ball. And how, how do you think he is? I think that he is a bad off ball player in the term. Like when I watch an off ball player, they are active movers. I think Jabari Smith, because there was a game where Wendell Moore or Wendell Green, excuse me, and uh, uh, Walker Kessler, they just had a, a super mismatch. And Walker was they, like Walker was the guy that game. And Jabari wasn't he was just standing in the corner hands up. I, I think that he's going to have a little bit of work to be that off wall guy because he's not going to always be involved in the play. I think when he's involved in the play, he's really good. But I think when he's not involved in the play, he's just a corner sitter when he shouldn't be. I think that if he learned how to move around the corner, around the perimeter, like let's say they're zoning up him going from the corner to the wing, I think would be a, it would benefit him a lot. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that, that's completely accurate. Um, could have been Bruce Pearl telling him, no, you stay in that quarter and, and wait for the ball. Uh, if he needs to work on that skill, set, it's a pretty easy skill set oh. to fix. So that's why like every prospect has minuses. I just feel like the minuses for Jabari are the most correctable and uh, teachable. Mm-hmm. When you look at the, the defense, uh, I am enamored by, by I Jabari. think he's a fantastic. I think that he's so aggressive with his steps. You see his feet are, Oh, I, I pounded the table, but like he's so quick with his feet. I think that he, it's it's structured. His defense is structured, and he can utilize his feet really well. I think where the process breaks down is offense. You don't have unlimited steps, and where he in defense he can utilize like stepping in offense he can't. And I think that's where if he can understand that he has to be more precise with his steps offensively, it's where he goes from an excellent prospect to the best. Yeah, for me, he is. He may not have the highest ceiling, but I think he's the prospect with the most likelihood of reaching that ceiling. Mm-hmm. That's why he's number one for me. I think he's, I think he's safe, and he still has a lot of room to grow. All right, I know Dustin has to go, so let's wrap this bad boy up. Uh, we, we are available. We just made it. <laughs> We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend. We've been doing more draft content than any other uh, Blazers podcast. Um, like retweet leave a dope comment and we will be back next week to talk more basketball peace